Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is out there today, and my good friend, Dr. Louis Sandoval, who has a show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, is my special guest. Dr. Sandoval, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. How you doing, Terry? Good, I, good to see you, man. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed, <laughs> brother. And, and if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire because my hope is of in. Course. I tell you who my hope is in. Right here, Jesus Christ. Hey, and, you know, there's no there's no other place to put the hope. I agree, brother. Dr. Louis Sandoval, I asked you to come on for a couple reasons. One, I wanted our listeners to know that you have a weekly show here every Thursday, right after the Terry and Jesse show, uh, and your show talks about. The connection between the spiritual life, we talk about spiritual warfare, but also mental health, which is huge, especially with the breakdown of the family. Um, mom and dad haven't been there for 50 years. I see the statistics of divorce. I see the statistics of mental health, like going off the radar regarding people who are in, in trouble uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. This is like it's a tsunami of problems in our culture and here you are a doctor psychiatrist a medical doctor and you've been involved for years dealing with spiritual warfare and mental health and there are very few people who actually do what you do i could be a handful of people in the country and so i wanted our listeners to understand what you do and also why it's important for people to listen to you each week to benefit them in regarding their spiritual life and protecting their own family regarding the spiritual warfare aspect. But, Doc, can you give our listeners some background of your own walk with Jesus Christ? Sure, absolutely. I mean, as far as my walk with Jesus Christ, gosh, I'd be what's considered a cradle Catholic. Mm -hmm. So grew up in a Catholic household. You know, we were baptized. We were uh, really taught in the faith. Uh, we were old school Baltimore catechism. Awesome. You know, my parents, my parents came from Mexico. And so a very rich Catholic tradition, obviously, in the country uh, at that time. Mexico's changed a lot since then, yeah. you know, as the world has sure. uh, since way back when, when they came in the in the late 60s. Um, but, you know, ever, ever since we were little, I can never remember a time that my mom would not say, you know, around 7, 7.30 p.m., okay, time to pray the rosary. Wow. And, of course, to the groans of the children, yeah. you know, but that was it. That was our, our family our family prayer every night, uh, the Baltimore Catechism, you know, why did God make you? Yeah. Uh, these are the, the basic questions that I think we've stopped asking in our Catholic faith. So there's never been a time where I, I can say I wasn't Catholic. I can say there's times I haven't acted Catholic. <laughs> I can say that there's times in life where, you know, you grow up, you start questioning your faith, you get to college, sure. uh, you start, ex uh, people start exposing you to uh, different things, or you get exposed to different ideologies, and yeah. you start wondering, what's it all about? But at the same time, I think that was a good challenge, because it really brought the idea of the faith, as you're saying, well, what about this, or what about that? And then at the, there was no good answer. There's no good answer other than... Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to get back to the truth. Yeah, it always comes back to the Catholic faith. Amen. So that's been my journey with Christ. You know, it's, it's always been about if I'm going to get married, if I'm going to have a family of my own, which I do. Yeah, uh, we're going to keep that Catholic. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, it's interesting, Terry. A lot Tell of people it. will start asking, "Hey, you went to medical school? Yeah. You know, you I got trained after medical school. I was trained in both family practice and psychiatry. Wow. Uh, so you know, medical doctor. A lot of people don't know what a psychiatrist is versus a psychologist. Yeah. So the psychiatrist actually went to medical school. We're an MD. Uh, we prescribe medication just like any other type of doctor. Only the specialty mm -hmm. is a medical specialty. 
But a big question that people always start asking is, hey, how, uh, how can you say that you believe in God? Or once you get into the world of the sciences, God kind of falls by the wayside. Yeah. And I'm like, well, when did God stop existing just because I decided <laughs> to study science? Yeah. You know, I, I don't get that part. So, <laughs> that's, so that's been my journey. I made it to be a doctor. And right now what I do actually oh. is practice uh, psychiatry full time. I do practice at the state hospital, which is forensic psychiatry. Wow. So if you see, um, if you see any of these specials on some streaming services where they talk about serial killers or yeah. people who are really, really uh, not doing well mentally and they don't even think straight, those are my patients. Awesome. Well, Doc, I have to <laughs> ask you, you've got some tough cases there, but on the, on some other level of uh, spiritual warfare, but sometimes people assume that it's the devil each time that they have some mental illness or they're they're hallucinating or they're having all kinds of issues with their uh, own personal life, and they jump to the conclusion that it's got to be the devil. And my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that many times uh, there might be a chemical imbalance in the brain. There could be some uh, other issues that can be done on a natural level that it really has nothing to do with the demonic. Um, You know, I've met people who are living holy lives who have issues with their mental health, and um, they find out that, yeah, it was just, they went to a doctor, they did a blood test, and they found out, hey, this is what you're low on, and they start giving them this, whatever they need, and they're stable. Now, is that uh, unusual, or is that uh, somewhat common when we, when we deal with people's um, illnesses, that sometimes it's just on a natural level? You know, that's a great question because people ask me that all the time. And, and I think when we start hearing deliverance or we start yeah. he- hearing big words like exorcism, yeah. we really, <clears throat> really like to make that the show and, and give it the limelight and whatnot. But the reality is, if you listen to any exorcist, they'll tell you, gosh, I've seen 2,000 cases yeah. over the last year. And people imagine, wow, there's 2,000 cases of exorcism. And they say, no, maybe like one or two of those actually had some really serious issues. Amazing. So what you got to remember is that the majority of the time, 98%, 99% of the time, wow. um, there's going to be a whole lot of natural stuff going on. And yeah, when you go to the to see your mental health professional your, your, or your primary care doctor or whatever it is that you're getting checked out about, what we got to remember is illness doesn't feel good. No, It doesn't feel good to be sick. It doesn't feel good to have mental illness uh, if that's what you're dealing with or physical illness. There's some uh, conditions that you need to consider on both end of things. That's why I was very lucky to be trained in both family medicine and psychiatry. You know, somebody comes in and say that there's an issue with their thyroid. Yeah. They're going to feel depressed and they might not act weird if they're having hypothyroidism. Yeah. And they might actually get psychotic and start seeming like they're fully possessed. They're hyperthyroid, depending on the situation. You start treating that, you help the person out, and then all of a sudden you see a whole different person who's just hanging out pretty normal and, and you know, they start to feel better. And was it purely medical? Absolutely. Can it look like it's something more? Yeah, and this is where you want to decipher. You want to do your due diligence. You want to get your testing done, get an evaluation. Here's the biggest challenge, though, or a bigger challenge, I should yes, say. Yes, tell us. Once somebody's been diagnosed yes. with, let's say somebody comes to me and I say, no, you actually suffer from bipolar disorder. Oh, there you go. People have a very challenging time, one, accepting that because there's a big stigma. It seems like, especially within the Catholic Church, people would rather say that they're influenced by the demonic than to have bipolar disorder because it's not very accepted. But the bigger challenge is people don't want to take the medication. 
Um, you know, uh, you tell them, look, you need to take medication. There might be side effects or whatnot, but um, I would not prescribe it to you if the benefit didn't outweigh the risk. There you go. And people don't want to take medication. And that can be really tough because people want to get better, but then they don't want to follow the advice. I see a parallel of this, though, in the spiritual world. I don't know if you've experienced this in your counseling terriers yeah. when you talk to people, but sure. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm, this is what's happening in my life. I'm doing this. And I'll ask them, well, are you praying? Well, kind of, but I want that. And I said, well, just start praying. And people say, ah, come on, you got to give me something better. And I'm like, well, that's the, the basis of the faith. <laughs> you got to pray. You want to feel better spiritually. But it's hard to pray. You know, it sounds simple. I mean, obviously, as I say, just start praying. But prayer is hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get down on your knees and focus on God and, and be able to do that. But that's part of the medicine. Well, you know, I, I'm just going through my head listening to you going, wow, that's uh, that's been my experience just in dealing with people also i i direct them to a a good a therapist or a doctor mm-hmm. uh because i'm not a therapist but i can direct people to the right places <laughs> but i also wanted to ask the element of the breakdown of the family where let's say um, you know i've met um, especially men and women both but where they bro- grew up in a broken family and they had no uh, affirmation. And I mean, this is something people say, oh, don't, you know, you got to affirm me. Yeah, absolutely. People who uh, grow up in an area where they never get affirmed, they start looking for affirmation everywhere else and sometimes in bad places. And then they get messed up in the sense of their um, mental health because they uh, have been abused. And uh, sure. does that also play a role in mental health where they grew up in a very dysfunctional family? That's usually the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, when we do an interview with somebody who, if we're evaluating them for mental health, yeah. uh, if I want to see what's going on, they come to my clinic, we have to take a history. And one of the big things that we do is we take a family history and we say, well, where's mom? Where's dad? Uh, what was the family structure like? Was there any abuse? Did any of them suffer from mental illness? Is this genetic? Is this environmental? You know, the we always say nature versus nurture. We don't have a good answer for that overall because it's usually both. But when you're talking specifically about the family, what I'm seeing is... I want to talk about it from a mental health perspective and a spiritual perspective because it's actually happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get married and, and we take our vows, we promise that we're going to bring our kids up in the Catholic faith. That we're going to educate our kids in the Catholic faith. And a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to try to send them to Catholic school yeah. or I'll put a crucifix up on the wall. And so I taught them. But the reality is this. In today's society, I think there's a whole lot of mixed messages. So on the one hand, we're being told, you know, you're not in charge of your kids. You see these things on, you know, schools are trying to teach the kids about who they are. Uh, and they don't always tell the parents what's going on with the kid. The kids sometimes will have, you know, gender dysphoria, confusions, things of that nature. But they, in society, it seems like we're trying to get the parents away from being involved in that which seems rather odd to me because the parents is still fully responsible for everything that happens to that child. Uh, And so from a societal perspective, uh, it seems like there's this message of let's break down the family. But then at the same time, there's this other message of saying, hey, where are the parents? How come this kid, if something goes wrong, you know, well, what kind of parents do they have? How do we marry that? I know we're coming up on the break here, but uh, we'll talk more more about that. that. Absolutely. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dr. Sandoval is my guest. We're talking on family and spiritual warfare. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dr. Sandoval is my guest. And wow, 
This is really being centered on the family. I mean, you know, St. John Paul II, God rest his soul, he, he said in 1993 in a letter to us, to the families, he said, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. So I'm spending time with our Dr. Sandoval to talk about how to build up the family and how to deal with issues that are being addressed in the family through our lenses, the Catholic faith. And Dr., you were just saying before the break, that when you go to do an evaluation, you ask about family history. And I'm sure, you know, statistically, most of the folks that we talk to uh, come from broken families, unfortunately. And the the effect that that's having on the family is devastating. And I just want to ask you to continue your thought that you were making before the break on that. Well, you know, it's interesting because what I we were talking a little bit about kids, and mm-hmm. as we're growing up, we forget how important our identity is and who we are. Yeah. Uh, where do we get that sense of identity? Where do we get that sense of who we are? You know, back I remember back in uh, when I was in college, and people would say, oh, "I'm trying to find myself." Oh, yeah. That was a very common uh, <laughs> common saying. I'm sure I was trying to find myself, yeah. but really, what it means is, where's my identity? Sure. And if nothing else, it's like, where's my story? Where do I yeah. come from? What what am I all about? The funny part is, I think about what Fulton Sheen said one time. Uh, he said, you know, whatever the Catholic Church drops, everybody else picks up. The yep. secular world picks up. Yep. And so he was talking about how, you know, the Catholics stop praying the rosaries, the hippies pick up the beads. Exactly. You know, and things yep. like they were wearing re- beads around their neck. And he yep. said, whatever we let go of, society picks up, but distorts. And so one of the things that I wonder, what I always tell uh, parents is, are you teaching your kids? Mm. Are you sitting down and actually talking to your kids, teaching them yep. not math and spelling and science because we got to do that, right? They come home, where's your homework? Let's make sure you get good grades. Sure. But are you sitting down as a family and teaching them who we are? Yeah. Who are you? You're an important person. I love you for who you are. You're a wonderful girl. You're a wonderful boy. You know, whatever it is that, that you um, uh, want to make sure that they know. But the other thing is, this is who we are as Catholics. So one time I remember I had a family meeting here and I said, hey, we got to sit down for a family meeting. Uh, This is my job, my responsibility. I was feeling very inspired. And I said, let's sit down, let's talk. And I said, I want to hear from everybody, from the youngest to the oldest, you know, mom and all the way down. Everybody's going to have a chance at the mic. And my question is, how do you guys think we're doing as far as trying to get to heaven? Wow, great question. Are we, what do we do? How do you feel about that, the oldest? Are, are we doing what we need to do to get to heaven? This is my plan. This is my vision. Uh, as the dad, as the head of the household, uh, I want to make sure that you learn the catechism, that you understand where we're navigating to get to heaven. And this is a psychiatrist talking to you, right? So people are like, well, how can a psychiatrist marry this? No, this is, what am I teaching them in their minds? What am I putting in their minds from a young age? And this is why you can't just say, is it spiritual? Is it mental? Is it physical? Mm-hmm. It's all at the same time. Amen. You know, are we fasting? That's the body. That's the physical. Are we praying? That's the mind, right? Are we being nice to each other? We're going to incorporate mind, spirit. So these are the things that I think parents have forgotten to do. Why? Because all of a sudden, the Baltimore Catechism is considered bad or old-fashioned. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the tenets of the faith are considered uh, to be not as good, and people have a different idea, and all of a sudden, we need to change things. But, you know, the, the, the reality is, truth is across all ages and doesn't change. Wow, great answer. And I love that question about um, how are we doing on our way to heaven? What are we doing? to? Uh, what do you guys think? How can we better do that? Uh, I think it's incredibly important— I just want to f- emphasize what you just said, though, about having family meetings. That was so important. I was taught that as a young man, and I implemented that with the family. And 
one other thing that I did, and you can correct me on this too, was each night when we would do our, we would pray our rosary with our family, I would go through and ask each child to ask, what do you want, what do you thank God for um, for today's day? So they'd have to specifically give me one thing that they want to thank Jesus for that they had this day. So it brought into a form of an attitude of gratitude. And then at Absolutely. the end of the night, Doc, we would also, after they talking about the, the great things that went on and we're grateful for, we would do a examination of conscience. Each person would do it in their mind and say, okay, don't have to say anything. Just think about what you did right, what you did wrong. Real basic. And, you know, we'd talk through the commandments. And then we'd all say the act of contrition together as a family. And then that would be the completion of the date. But I, I found that that was effective for my family, and um, I was told that by someone else who told me to, to do that. And I just think that I want to recommend to our listeners, if you're you know, serious about you know, that with the family, I would encourage adding the, the rosary, the attitude of gratitude by saying what you appreciate in that day, and then, of course, the examination of conscience. And so that was just something that barbers did, and I found it to be quite effective. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. anything that we do that is going to remind our children every day that we're Catholic and, and what our faith is about. That's the key. We pray the rosary every night. There's no question about it. Yep. The kids already know we're going to sit down. We're going to pray the rosary. Yep. Um, we're going to sit down and we're going to pray the rosary. And we're going to talk about what the season is in the church. We're in awesome. life. What does that mean? Awesome. Uh, Easter's coming up. What does that mean? Why is Easter so important? Why, you know, we're not going to focus on the Easter bunny so much other than the empty tomb. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, things like that. The other thing that I would recommend to yeah, parents as yeah, well as yeah. we're teaching our children, because yeah. we forget about this, is a lot of times we we shy away from our children realizing that we're not perfect. Yes. And the reality is, I think there's nothing more powerful, believe it or not, when your children, when you're able to tell your kids, you know what, gosh, I messed up, I'm sorry, yep. or I'm not perfect. Because then that's when the kids mess up themselves. They're going to say, hey, I'm going to go, I'll be able to go to mom and dad because they understand what not being perfect is, like the scarlet letter. Right. If anybody's ever read the Scarlet Letter, you know, it became first a letter of shame, but then it became a letter of pride where people are like, hey, well, she knows what she's been through this. And so I remind my kids, hey, I stand in that confessional line right along with you. You know, I'm not you, you see me having to go right. into that box and I'm not perfect, uh, which means that we're all doing this together. It kind of, I think, elevates our dignity as Catholics, uh, where awesome. I'm still your parent while I'm here on Earth. Yep. But the reality is, you know, if you feel like you're failing at something, come talk to me because we got I got to figure it out, too. Awesome. And don't be afraid to apologize to your kids if, if you feel exactly. you messed up. They're going to respect you a lot more for it. And can I make one other suggestion? Because sure. the suggestion is when you go to confession as a family, when I was a kid, my mom and dad would take us to 31 Flavors to get ice oh, cream cool. after every confession. And I know that's a lot of ice cream over the course of a year because <laughs> we went every month as a family. But uh, I associated going to confession with eating ice cream. So I know that sounds like, but grace builds on nature. And for a child, cool. oh, we're going to go to confession. Okay, yeah, Dad, we're ready. <laughs> I knew we were going to... Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, My kids would be like, hey, why, why does Dad have the biggest banana split? I was a big confession, kids. <laughs> Doc, let me, more... you know, let me just throw something at you that I get a lot. Because, you know, here on... Virgin Most Powerful, I, I give my cell phone number out, so I'm constantly talking to people that have needs, and I'm happy to, sh you know, to help in any way I can. One of the great needs that I've run into, and uh, 
it's affected the family in a very t- a bad way is sexual abuse from especially girls. I, they say like about one third of all women have been sexually molested, whether it was by an uncle or a friend, and it affects them in a very bad way, whether they're in their their marriage with their husband or just uh, and mentally uh, it affects them in a negative way. What advice would you give to individuals who have been sexually molested to kind of uh, deal with that issue? What, what, what steps should they take? Yeah, you know, this is a great question. I see it all the time. And the, the solution is really challenging mm. um, because one of the things I say, even backing up as, as you know, you, lo- you know that I love my focus on the family and, sure. and uh, addressing the family issues and treating the family is one, to parents, I, I, the first thing I tell them is, don't be afraid to teach your kids about sex. Don't be afraid to teach your kids about, you know, what life is, what their bodies are, and what God intended our bodies to do after we mature and whatnot. Always at their level. You're not going to, you know, have a full discussion with a, a first grader. But don't be afraid to use the proper anatomical terms and talk to them so that they're, they're aware that this is important right. and that you are aware of it. Because a lot of times, you know, we grow up and the first time we learn about the birds and the bees from, you know, Reed. next door neighbor or on the street, we think, oh, my God, mom and dad don't know anything about this right. because we, they've, I've never heard it from them. Right. Um, and so I've always counseled parents, don't be afraid. Uh, to sit down and talk to your kids about this. We got to get over our own insecurities, but and we got to realize this is the way God made it. But anybody who's been a victim of abuse, which we get a lot, this is the hardest the hardest thing. Uh, if you want to heal, which hopefully everybody does, and I, I know everybody usually wants to feel better, the hardest part is we have to learn how to forgive uh, the abuser. And so forgiveness is going to be key. You're hearing this from a psychiatrist. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, the, the reality is... I can, from a strictly psychiatric perspective, medical point of view, I'm going to say, well, you're going to need to go to therapy. You're going to need to process what happened. Gosh, you got to talk about it over and over. And you got to, you know, this and that. The reality is if somebody comes to me and they tell me they have a history of abuse, the first thing I ask them is, is it affecting you today? Do you feel like it's on your mind? Is it bothering you? Is it keeping you from having good relationships? Okay, let's talk about it. If it's not, a lot of people say, you know, I know it happened. I've, it's not something that I dwell on and I'm okay. I have a happy relationship. Okay. You don't need to bring it up. It's past. It's kind of like, you know, something bad happened in my life. It might not have been abuse, but it's not affecting me. I can, I can move forward, car accident, something major. Um, Okay. I don't need to bring it up every day, but if this is something that's affecting you, if this is something that's affecting your relationships or whatnot, the first thing you got to recognize is, Hey, something happened. Somebody violated uh, who I am as a person. But the more I hold on to a grudge, the more I hold on to anger, the more I'm not able to uh, let go of this from a heart perspective, from an interior perspective, the more it's going to eat at me. Now, the question is, Dr. Sandoval, how can I possibly forgive somebody who did this to me? And I say, because you need to look at who that person is at that time, what they were thinking at that time. They were dehumanized. They weren't even capable of uh, you know, doing, uh, um, uh, of understanding you as a human being and they lower themselves to an animalistic level, you know, well, gee, Dr. Sandoval, you know, how would you know? Well, let's just say I was an altar boy and it wasn't always fun, you know? So it's, uh, I I can't say that it was extreme or anything like that, but there were some priests who'd go around and they just kind of pat you on the butt or, or do things where you were like, what in the world are you doing? Yeah. You know, is it something you dwell on? It depends on the person. I know some guys who went through some really bad stuff. Um, but do you forgive the person? Do you move forward? Or do you move on? Uh, and that's really the key yes. uh, to be able to have that inner healing. Wow. When you said forgiveness, I remember Dr. Well, he's a medical doctor, psychiatrist, uh, Dr. McDonald, who did recordings for us at family conferences. 
It was called The Hidden Power of Forgiveness. Sure. And he really laid it out, not just on sexual abuse, but any other issue in life. If you don't forgive, it eats you up. Right. Once I forgive, and the reality is this, a lot of times we'll hold on to a grudge or something and we'll think, that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. I'm going to, you know, and we think that we're hurting them. Yeah. But the reality is forgiveness has nothing to do really with the other person. And I mean, on the side, what it really has to do with is I want to be free. Yes. I want to be free. I want to free myself from this burden. How do I free myself from this burden? I'm going to forget that this person is not even, I'm making them too important. Yeah. If I keep thinking about them or holding, I'm, I'm, I'm making them important in my life. I'm going to realize, I'm going to make them realize they're not that important. I'm going to push them to the side. I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to be free to live now as who God wanted me to be. Well said. Folks, this is what you're missing when you don't watch and listen to the Dr. Sandoval show. Remember, you can listen to his show every Thursday right after the Terry and Jesse show. You need to get our app, though, the VMCR.com app. And that way you can start listening because he's gold. This is all good advice for the family. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with more. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dr. Sandoval is my guest, and I'm enjoying listening to him talk about uh, strategies to help support the family, whether it's on the mental health issue or the spiritual warfare aspect. And I want to encourage you, our listener, take advantage of his show each week here on Thursday afternoons, California time. But you can listen to it anytime on a podcast by going to vmpr.org. And downloading his shows. You can go back. I mean, if you're getting as much as I'm getting out of this show, you're going to get a lot more out of his weekly show. And he focuses on different aspects of the spiritual life and mental health issues. And, you know, here's the kicker that I joke with people. I mean, people ask me all the time about, hey, I got to go see a psychiatrist, but it's so expensive. (laughs) You know, I like I don't have the money to go to a medical doctor to you know, do this once a week. Well, can I make a suggestion? And and the price is right. It's free. Or, you know, that mattress is free. No, no, this, the hour with Dr. <laughs> Sandoval is free. It's on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And, you know, if you have a daughter or son or father, whoever it is who's challenged in life and regarding their faith, their mental health, their spiritual warfare aspect, I think it's really good, um, good time management to say, look, once a week, I'm going to listen to this show and get good advice that I can apply to my family. So that's why I encourage people. And this is really the reason. I'll be up, up front with everybody. I asked Dr. Sandoval to come on the show because I believe he's was so valuable and he's not being utilized enough here at Virgin Most Powerful. And I thought, well, the reason is is because they don't know about him. Well, folks, you're beginning to know about what Dr. Sandoval has to offer. We, that, that last segment on the, the power of forgiveness in life, we talked about sexual abuse. But I would imagine, and I, I remember Dr. Sandoval, Mother Angelica, years ago, talking about forgiveness and how um, two sisters had some disagreement in their life. And the woman was uh, upset with her sister. And Mother was able to get her to forgive. And she was just like, a new person, her whole life, her perspective turned from meditating on her hatefulness of her her sister to now the hidden power of forgiveness and being able to get on with life. She it, it all it like polarized her to a point where she was living 
a life that was just horrible. And so I think your point about forgiveness and not in all areas of life, we have to learn how to forgive. And I think it's a biblical principle with just pray the Our Father. <laughs> and you'll see that our Lord says it there. Doc, well, yeah, I mean, Terry, that's, that's a really good point. Just really quickly, forgiveness needs to be across the board. I know you specified, you know, sexual abuse and things like that, because obviously that's, that's very traumatic for yeah. people. But this is where we also see the blend, if you will, of mental health and spiritual warfare and deliverance, Kelly. because a lot of people don't realize it's going to affect everything. One, if you're not forgiving somebody, mm. you're not doing really well to your body. You know, you're under stress, yeah. your, your cortisol levels are always going to be up. Your mind is going to be occupied on the grudges that we're holding or whatnot. Uh, so that's not good for, for us. It's not good for our mind because we're always going to be in a bad mood and we're going to allow that to happen to us. But in spiritual warfare, a lot of people come and they say, oh, I think that I'm being afflicted by demonic entities. I'm hearing darkness in my life or whatnot. And one of the questions is, are you dealing with unforgiveness? Are you dealing with a lack of being able to forgive people because that's what dark entities are going to hold on to. They're going to enjoy that you that you have that. It's it's tasty to them, if you will. And the other thing is, if you ever listen to Father Ripperger and he says that you start getting into that compatible psychology with demons, yes. well, what do demons do? They're in a place where forgiveness does not exist. Yeah. And so the more that we hold on to that, the more that we become that way uh, and the more that we're going to ruin our lives. Once we forgive people, once we uh, let that go in our hearts and say, you know what, I've messed up too in my life. It might be not to the extreme that the other person messed up, but I'm going to forgive them. That's Christ. That's Christ mentality. Yeah. That's Christ-like. Now we're mentally compatible with Christ. Now we're headed in the other direction. And that's why we're free. Wow. So well said. Doc, talking about your show can you give us a little idea, like some of the past shows you've done topic-wise, so that our listeners can go to vmpr.org, download the show, and get a really good taste of what you have to say? So I guess I'm asking you to, to give a, a teaser on some of the topics sure. you've done. Sure. So one thing that I'll say is I always encourage our listeners to write into the show and let me know if there's any topics you want to hear, because really the show's about us, about us as, a, as Catholics and what we're going through. So if there's topics you want to hear about, whether it be taking care of the elderly, uh, direct diagnoses and mental health of depression or psychosis, schizophrenia, take your pick. Let me know what you want to hear about for sure. But topics that I've done before, I talk about the saints. I talk about how do we incorporate thinking about the saints in our lives. I talk about are there's different themes in the Bible. Why not pick different Bible verses that are going to help me uh, deal with whatever I'm going through in life. We forget that a lot. And we think, gosh, I'm stressed because of this or that, or I don't feel like I have hope. Well, where are the Bible verses on hope? You know, um, <clears throat> I talk about mental illness directly. This is depression. And these are cases I've seen. Uh, and I also talk about spiritual warfare. You know, I've, I've had some interesting cases. I've been lucky enough to uh, have been called to the spiritual warfare uh, uh, calling, if you will, or, or, or deliverance uh, teams um, where I've evaluated people, I've seen what, they, what they've gone through. And so you see some interesting cases where mental health and spiritual warfare blend, but I've seen it in my practice as well. So we'll discuss those cases sometimes about, hey, this is what came up. This person thought they were just anxious, they got psychotic, and it turned out that they were being influenced spiritually. But when we clear that up, they were still anxious. Uh, so it can exist on both levels. We can't always go to the extremes. But those are some of the topics that will come up. Wonderful. Now, earlier in the show, you talked a little bit when I asked you about uh, issues of like, whether it's the thyroid or some, um, some problem with the brain where there's a, a chemical imbalance on the brain and people are going, 
you know, their, their health has just gone south and they're starting to wonder, well, what, what's going on with my life? I mean, I, I, I didn't do anything. I'm still going to church. I'm, I'm praying. I'm even praying the daily rosary. I'm going to try and go to mass on as often as I can. And I'm having issues and it comes down to some physical problems. And I, I'm asking you this question because I've seen this happen over and over again. And our, our listeners are pretty much devout Catholics, but some of them are afraid to go and talk to a doctor and take on the issue of that. Maybe it's just a, some medication, and it's kind of a humbling to have to say, okay, well, well, maybe I just need this one medication that it's, it's not a big deal because, they, you know, it's, it's just going to help me balance my brain chemistry. And then I see that it helps, uh, but how do we overcome the fear that it's like a phobia that says, well, like, I, I don't want to be on medication. I, I, I've got God. You know what I'm trying to say? I see this with devout right. people saying that I can't rely on anything but God. Right. So, you know, one of the interesting things, I see this a lot. And I think a lot of people feel there's different, um, different stigmas, different ideas, different uh, feelings attached to taking medication. Some people feel, gosh, if my faith is strong enough, I shouldn't need medication. So yep. if I take medication, it means that I don't have faith in God and I failed. Um, uh, other people say, no, that medication is habit forming. You're going to give me something that's too strong. It's going to really string me out and you're going to make me worse. Um, you know, so there's all these different ideas as to what it means to take medication. The other thing is just general societal stigmas. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, I don't want to take that because then I have to tell people or if people find out. So walking back through those, usually what I tell people is one, if you are on medication, you don't have to tell anybody you're on medication. It's, exactly. not, it's not a secret. It's your part. It's your private health. If you have high blood pressure, do you go around telling everybody you have high blood pressure before you take your high blood pressure medication? So that's one thing that I tell people, keep your medical world private so long as you know, you're able to, yeah. and you only share it with people you trust who are going to uplift you and who's gonna, who are going to understand that. Yep. Two, the other thing I tell people is if, you know, if I were to say something like hypertension or diabetes or something, Nobody would shake a stick at the fact that, hey, I need to take medication. Well, mental health happens in the brain. And so we got to remember, we're not just throwing random medication at you. We're trying to address the serotonin chemistry in the brain, the dopamine uh, chemistry in the brain, the norepinephrine chemistry in the brain. So these medications do have a particular goal as far as which chemicals are going to be balanced out in the brain. And we say chemical imbalance. Well, yeah, it, it sounds terrible. Uh, to say that because also I'm not a balanced person. No, it's just, you know, it could be genetic. It could be the world. It could be whatever's going on, <clears throat> but no different than diabetes. Is anybody going to blame you for having diabetes or tell you you're a bad person? No, they're going to encourage you to, Hey, keep a good diet, keep, keep on your meds and do what's right. It's the same thing with, with mental health type medication. Uh, now, do they work for everybody? Not necessarily. You really want to go to a mental health professional who's going to take the time to evaluate your symptoms, give you a thorough diagnosis and tell you why you're taking what you're taking. Can they have their side effects? Sure, but discuss that with your doc. A lot of the people who I prescribe them for, you know, if it has a side effect, we'll switch it out to something else, maybe within the same category that hopefully won't have side effects and that'll work. What I will say is this, just to give you a quick example. Tell me. I had a family come to me and they had a, a, it was a mom and she had her son and he was not doing well. I believe he was born with some developmental issues, mm -hmm. uh, not extreme, but he wasn't, uh, as far as his intellect, he wasn't altogether there. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what will happen is if people do have something like a cerebral palsy or like a severe autism or something, that'll manifest in behavioral issues where they start hitting or they get violent. They don't know any better. Sure. And so one of the things was the mom was very worried about spirituality and things like that. And she says, what do I do? 
Uh, all these other doctors have prescribed medication, but I'm wholly against medication. I do not want to go that route. So very kindly, and I mean, I asked her, well, then why are you asking my advice? I'm a doctor. If you come to me, my first go-to is how do we medically treat you? So I'm probably going to advise medication sure. as well. My bigger question was, well, why wouldn't you want to give a medication? Because I'm, I would tell you to give a medication. And in fact, I have prescribed medication. I've seen these situations get much better. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the child's going to be cured from whatever uh, mental deficits might be there or intellectual deficits, but we can probably tame that behavior where uh, to where you can take them out and to the grocery store and it won't be such a big deal. Yeah. Um, some medications we use might be uh, antipsychotics. It sounds terrible. They were called neuroleptics. Uh, those help control the dopamine in the brain. And so she thought about that and uh, she didn't come to see me. She, she was asking my advice and I said, go to the doctor, try to take whatever medication they prescribe you because that's the same thing I would do. Uh, and so a few weeks, uh, I think like a month later, I got a call, not from the mom herself, but from the grandma. And she just said, thank you so much because he's doing so much better. And, you know, we wouldn't have considered medication otherwise, but, but you, you know, it made sense and we, we decided to take a risk and now our lives are totally different. And so this is where I tell people, don't forget what the goal is and why we're prescribing medication. As my, as a doctor, the last thing I can do is hurt you, or, or that's the first thing I don't want to do. That's in our creed. So if I'm going to prescribe you something, it's to get you better. Amen. When we come back, I want to talk about things like uh, that shouldn't be in the home, like the Ouija boards. They're uh, oh, yeah. still in uh, many, many houses. And the you know, things that can avoid to uh, open ourselves up to portholes in the spiritual life. Stay with us. Absolutely. The Terry and Jesse Show. Talk to Dr. Sandoval, who has a special show every Thursday here on BMPR.org. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back, Father. Jesse's out of town. Dr. Sandoval's been with me this hour to talk on spiritual warfare and mental health. What a great combination. I wanted to bring in some things that, unfortunately, in the family, Things are coming in, whether it's bad books, uh, you know, that might uh, open up ourselves to demonic influences. Uh, you know, the old story: what what you read is what you become. But also uh, the the Ouija board, which has been so popularized in the last fifty, sixty years, where kids are using them, thinking it's just a fun game to play. And you know how we as parents can keep these things out of our homes. If there's other elements, Dr. Sandoval, you would recommend for mom and dad to keep out of the house, uh, I'd like to talk about first the Ouija board and why this is something that no family should have in their home. Right. So, you know, it's interesting. Again, this is where it comes back to uh, teaching education. Uh, what are we teaching our kids? Uh, you know, Sister, Fausti Sister uh, Lucia from Fatima had said, that the final battle was going to be against the family. Yeah. The final battle of Satan was going to be against the family. So we start looking at this, but what does this battle look like? I think that we always imagine that this battle is going to be, gosh, it's going to get so dark and ugly and it's going to be like a Hollywood exorcism. But the reality is that's not what the devil wants. That's not how he wants to get in. He just wants an inch. He wants just a crack in the door. And the way that that looks is this. <clears throat> Your kids are going to go to school. They're going to talk to their friends. Their friends might not be, as Jesse says, high information Catholics. <laughs> and uh, what's going to happen is they're going to have their own Ouija boards. They're going to read horoscopes. They're yes. going to learn about crystals, new age issues, things like that. And they're going to be talking to your kids about that at school. And guess what? Your kid's learning. They're being educated about what everybody else knows. 
And the bigger question is, what are we doing as parents to educate them about the do's and don'ts and what all this means? The Ouija board is something that we actually sat down and talked to our kids about. Um, if you look at the, or if you've ever seen the original movie, The Exorcist, yeah. and if you ever look at the original uh, journal of, of what happened and, and the, the story, all that really is, it was actually a, a story based on a little boy who was possessed and it started with a Ouija board. He had gotten it from his aunt or something. What was the aunt thinking? I don't know, I wasn't there, but when I tell my kids, hey, you're gonna see this thing and it's gonna look like just the alphabet and it's gonna be five bucks at the toy aisle at your local department store. I'm like, don't think that it's just a $5 little doohickey because we gotta look at how is it presented? Oh, it's fun, you know, it's got a little planchette, planchette's the, the plastic thing that moves around uh, on the board and you know, it's got this and your friends might show it to you. Well, here's the problem, what I asked them is, yeah, your friends are going to ask you questions and this thing's going to start to move. Well, who's answering? Who are you asking the questions to? Yeah. You know, as Catholics, we've got to re recognize that everything we do spiritually, well, everything we do, body, spirit, or mind, is very much directed towards either heaven or hell. Yep. And if we look at that in the Bible, you know, everything we do is leading us one way or another. So if people start to say, oh, I'm just going to talk to the universe and I'm going to ask the universe. Well, who's the universe and where are you getting this information from? It's got to be coming from a person. Is it coming from God? Is it coming from the dark side? So the Ouija board has quick access and they make it look like a toy. And I think that that's where the danger part comes in. It comes in very, uh, you know, obscure. And this is where we get the term of occult hidden, right? What's really going to happen there is hidden. So I would say start educating your kids. And we might have to educate ourselves first. If we don't know, get the education you need. And that's okay. Yeah. Doc, there's a couple movies coming out this weekend that deal with the spiritual warfare aspect. Uh, Father Amorth, uh, there's a movie about his, uh, The Exorcist, The Pope's Exorcist, that's coming out this weekend. And another movie that we're going to be talking about, we've talked about it on the Terry and Jesse show, the a nefarious movie that talks about the truth about Satan in our culture. And... Um, uh, these there's both both movies are very um, uh, high information regarding the spiritual warfare aspect, but I I wanted to also and this is something that you probably won't hear me say. Well, people say I'm I'm surprised that you said this, but I don't think everybody should be watching these movies. And I and the reason I give this and you tell me if I'm onto something. Many people are in a position where they prefer just to stay focused on their spiritual life, which is great, and and the extraordinary things that have gone on with the exorcists and all these you know, things that are happening, it would disturb them to a point where it would take their peace away. And um, am I on to something, or do you think everybody should be going to watch these movies? No, you're, you're absolutely right. That's what I was going to tell you, Terry, as you were mentioning these movies. It's interesting uh, Hollywood knows what they're doing. They know how to tantalize our minds. And and really what happens a lot of times, and I see this a lot in deliverance, is people get so focused on thinking that they got to fight the devil that they forget that that's not our goal here on earth. That's a side effect of the fact that we have to get closer to God. Yeah. So the reality is our focus should be, how can I get to the tabernacle and, and kneel in front of Christ for an hour? Exactly. Uh, how can I pray the rosary? What, what am I going to learn about? It's like I tell my kids. So when I tell my kids about this, because I tell them, hey, you're going to see this stuff and it's going to seem really interesting. But the reality is I say, <clears throat> you know, are we trying to get to hell or to heaven? Yeah. Well, if I'm trying to get to heaven, it's like if I'm going to go on a travel trip to a beautiful uh, island and, and you know tropical island 
I'm going to go learn about that island and what I'm going to do on that island. Sure. Well, if heaven's for eternity, I'd rather learn about heaven than hell, you know? So are we learning about heaven? Are we learning about what's going to happen for our eternity? A lot of times when people watch these movies, it's easy to get sucked in and it's easy to start to focus on what's the devil doing? What's he capable of this and that? And we've got to remember is that the devil is a fallen angelic nature. Yep. If that's all the devil can do, imagine what your guardian angel can do. Exactly. Imagine, you know, who's got a full angelic. Imagine what God can do. We don't give God enough credit and we, limit god's power but we always so worry about the devil being able to do anything and you make a good point because while these movies can be informative yeah uh, they're not for everybody i'll tell oh. you what i work on deliverance all the time and i don't watch these movies See, there you necessarily go. Yeah. you know i might watch it just because somebody might say hey that was an interesting scene or yeah. this was you know kind of cool but i don't go and watch everything on the devil at all yeah. why because my focus is how do i get closer to christ guess what I mean, I, let me give you a couple of examples really Good. quickly. Please do. One was a, a patient who literally, um, when you do this kind of work, sometimes the secular world's going to kind of, uh, uh, you know, mock you a little bit or make fun of you a little bit because they feel like, I don't know what's going on. This guy thinks he does spiritual work or he thinks this is real. But the reality is this is something that happened. Uh, at one of my places where I was working, a lady went into the emergency department and she was complaining that she got psychotic and she thought she was being diabolically influenced. Well, the docs there didn't know what to do. They called the the director of, of psychiatry at the time and he said, uh, let's give this one to Dr. Sandoval. <laughs> he might know what to do yeah. with it. So lady comes into my clinic and I say, well, what's the story? What happened? You went to the emergency department and she said, you know, I uh, grew up Catholic. She was like in her late forties, early fifties, grew up Catholic. And um, I sat down with my daughter and uh, for whatever reason, I just decided I kind of want to watch this one movie. It was called The Conjuring. And it's all about, you know, demonic possessions and things like that. Yeah. And so she said, I watched that movie and that night I started to just feel awful. I started to see things that weren't there. And my daughter said I became very different. Um, and so I had to get to the emergency department because I wasn't even thinking clearly. So she got there, they gave her some medication for psychosis and she, and then she got better. And she said, what happened to me? And I said, well, the reality is she's like, I think I was possessed. I go, I don't think you were possessed. I think you were definitely influenced. I think, uh, something might've happened. Uh, I think maybe somewhere deep down in your heart, you were watching a movie you probably knew you shouldn't watch or wasn't going to, you know, edify your life towards yeah. God in any way. Yeah. I go and she's like, could it have been the devil influencing me? I'm like, yeah, he might've been in a creating an obsession in your mind or something along those lines. She took the medication once and that was it. She didn't need it again. Uh, but it was just that very specific moment. But this is how this can influence us if we're not ready. The question is, why are we going to go see these movies? I'd rather go see a movie on Fatima and see what the message of the angel was and what Our Lady has to tell me, because yeah. that's what's going to get me to heaven. Um, so that's that's always uh, interesting when people want to really delve into this. Be careful, because you could get sucked into a whirlpool on that. You know, you know? Dr. Sandoval, I can't agree more with you on that. And I, I say that so many times to people, this focus on what's holy. And, uh, you know, I get people to say, come on and see this and come on and see that. And many times uh, I just, you know, I, some people would say I grew up without seeing a lot of bad things and you don't know what it's like. And, uh, you know, my kids are surprised that when I tell them when I grew up in high school, I never drank, never went to the crazy parties, you know, played sports. And that's what helped me stay focused with my faith in sports. And they go, how did you do that? And I said, well, because I made decisions. I said, uh, a lot of things that happen in life are based on good decisions and the effects of those good decisions. And many times when you make a bad decision about something in life, you pay a price for it. So I, I think that you yeah, ask the question, is this going to get me closer to Christ 
or is this going to take me away from Christ on almost any major question in life? If you ask that question, I think you'll get the right answer and you'll stay away from you know bad things because you ask the question, is this going to get me closer to Christ? No, then don't do it. Yeah, because we got to remember, I mean, if we look at the story of Adam and Eve, we weren't supposed to know evil. Yeah, we go. weren't supposed to, there was no, you know, there was a the knowledge of good and evil. They yeah. didn't know evil. We're not supposed to know this stuff. When we get to heaven, that's, the idea of evil is not going to be in our minds and we're not going to be tantalized by it at all. Yeah. Uh, so what I tell people sometimes too, because they're like, well, you got into deliverance and whatnot. Yeah, let God guide you in that path. I wasn't looking for it at all. Yeah, uh, okay. I could tell that God put things in my in my life that started preparing me for this. And uh, I listened to a, a lecture from uh, Dr. Uh, excuse me, Father Ripperger one time and I started hearing about spiritual warfare just as an academic yeah. uh, endeavor and then i didn't know why i just thought oh this is interesting it's not so scary and then about a month later one of the priests uh, i ran into him and said hey you're a psychiatrist i need your help in in, in deliverance and i thought oh god was preparing me exactly. that's why i listened to that lecture it was, it was a preparation but a lot of people feel like oh unless i'm doing this directly and learning about the devil that's how i'm going to do deliverance and i tell people don't forget we're doing deliverance every day if we want to, and it has nothing to do with reading about what the devil can do or not right, do. Right. Try this. If you're frustrated with your spouse because you feel like they're not doing what they're supposed to do and, and they, they uh, are, you know, are not doing the chores around the house or anything like that, and when you're feeling that frustrated, walk up to them and say, I love you. And thank you for, for marrying me. Yeah. And thank you for doing this. And watch what will happen there. The devil's going to run away and they're probably going to be like, hey, I'm valued. And they might actually start doing what, you know, might not be getting done. Or you might realize that was my job. My job was to love this person. That's how I'm going to do deliverance. That's how the devil, just like you were saying, Terry, you know, you made decisions going through high school. It wasn't anything extraordinary. You didn't go read about deliverance. Right. You said, no, I'm going to do what I think I know is supposed to be right, exactly. even if it's hard. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's going to keep everybody on the on the straight and narrow. It's hard. It's not easy to do that. It's not easy to recognize that we love uh, people when we feel when we feel that they're not don't deserve our love. But the reality is we got to look at where am I at if that's the way I'm thinking. Dr. Sandoval's show is on every Thursday on our network. Go to vmpr.org, download the free app, listen to his show every Thursday right after the Terry and Jesse show. Dr. Sandoval, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you, Terry. And I'm going to ask you a question that I ask Jesse every single day on VMPR. Dr. Sandoval, what state should we be living in? Oh, the state of grace for sure. Great. That's exactly right. And I always say... (laughs) Those who are listening, if you'd like to, uh, our radio stations, pick up the Dr. Sandoval show. You can get that right from vmpr.org. like to end with Our Lady of Fatima. She says, this souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. This is Friday. Let's make a sacrifice. Every day we can make sacrifices to participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. So you can participate in that by offering all these little inconveniences to the Lord. May God richly bless you, and thank you for joining us and supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God love you and your family.